Good evening, Brainiacs. Welcome to Blabber Brain Show. Tonight's episode includes a quiet sit-down conversation with John L. Cooper of the Christian band Skillet. In honor of his presence tonight, I give you this ode, an ode to Skillet. I feel it deep within. It's just beneath my skin. I must confess that I feel like a monster. Won't you join us for this episode? Let's do this. Hey, welcome to Blabberbrain Show. We're back, as if you thought maybe we weren't going to come back, but we're here, safe and sound. I am Michael Cadry, your guest over there in uh, the dark shades and dark uh, porch um, is the big M, Mark Anthony. What's up, brother? Yo. <laughs> that's, a, that's quite One the, more time, it, just in case you missed it. It's like 3D, it's coming at you. So, I'm going to start off with uh, a little bit of bitching and complaining, and I got to get this uh, straightened out with Zoom, which is what we use to record these shows. Uh, and and something is because it just popped up a little bit ago. This. Yeah, I saw it. Okay. Wait, where did it go? <clears throat> there it is. Do you see that? Yeah. What, I do. what is up? What is up with that? We. I don't know. I'm not on Zoom except for these. I use Teams and then Google Meeting or Google Meet or whatever it's called. They they have these things called gestures now where if you you know you hold your hand up or you give thumbs up or something like that, something pops up on the screen. Didn't work and, when I did this. You think this would have activated something? Well, it has to look like a thumbs up, I guess. Um but let's see if what happens if I do two thumbs up. I don't know. You got to hold it up and then put it down, I guess. I don't know what activates it. With that. But the bottom line is I have that I'm feature. Turned on. Well, you got to put them down. Then it might pop up after you do that. No, see nothing. But yet if I do it. There must be some Apple product. No, it's on that. Zoom. It's it, it's called gestures and it's on Zoom. And I I, I have it turned off and it, it's still coming up. I got a bug floating around here. Yeah, um, I don't. So I saw I don't know, it before. Well, anyways, uh, as I mentioned at the in the opener, you know, we have uh, John Cooper from Skillet as our guest today, and uh, I already went out to uh, Johnstown over the weekend to record. It's the first in-person interview, so unfortunately, uh, Mark was not able to be with us. Um, wish we could, we could have found some way to work that out, but that would have been really tough. It was tough enough just for the two of us in this tiny little room that we were in. Um, and, uh, you know, it, we had to make, it was makeshift moment, but, uh, it went really well, but I'm watching back the interview and I'm seeing these thumbs pop up and I'm like, what the hell is that? And I looked something up on zoom and it's a new feature on Zoom called gestures, where if you raise your hand, like I guess the the uh, the announcer will see it, or if you give a thumbs up, yeah, that's you approving of something. I guess I don't know what's going to trigger it. You know, if I'm back here, or you have to be close. I'm not sure what triggers it. It, it popped up earlier. Anyways, so I see these thumbs and these bubbles popping up during the interview. I'm like, what the hell is that? So my apologies when you watch the uh, interview with John. Um, 
normally our interviews are, are recorded at the same time uh, that Mark and I record our portion of the show, but this was a special occasion, um, which was a year in the making, by the way. Um, thanks to uh, Trevor Tyson, our good buddy and good friend of the show, who was on our uh, Christmas episode last year, got the ball rolling for us. And uh, lo and behold, almost a year later, <laughs> um, we were able to get our schedule together and um, and uh, get them on the show. So I can't wait for you guys to see that. So anyways, I'm going to contact Zoom. I apologize for if anything pops up here again while we're on the show. It's not doing it now. It was doing it before. That's just irritating as heck. And why is that a feature? Who who requested that? that I don't know. Anyways. Somebody I, must have. Maybe you can. I guess it would be a good thing is if there's a certain, it would be good for the reason of doing this show. If there's a certain thing that we did that we wanted to get a reaction to, maybe to set it up to do that. Just like on that Bill and Ted's excellent adventure thing when i do this stupid thing i couldn't stand and the make that little sound <laughs> like it could rig it to do something something like that but i don't know i never saw it before until i saw it pop up before we went live on your side and i just assumed that you hit some sort of that you hit a button no so i haven't been it, able to it, get it to activate yeah i don't know it did it one time and then that's it but you know i have it i have the feature turned off it shouldn't be doing it at all and uh, I, I looked online, they show you how to turn it off. I went into the account, I turned it off, and it's still happening. So I guess they didn't get all the bugs worked out. The only thing I can figure is some egghead uh, in the development room uh, figured it out and said, oh, guys, check this out. This is really cool. What if we did this? And nobody, like, they did, They probably didn't test it. They probably didn't get, a, you know, a, a, a survey of the Zoom users. And most of those developers, they don't even, they, they don't use I should say most developers in general, not just for Zoom, don't use the products that they develop for, right? Like most Microsoft people, that's why Microsoft products are so horrible because they don't use their products and they're, so they're not subjective to the, the stuff that they implement into the products. So I'm, I'm willing to bet nobody requested this feature. Some egghead uh, figured out how to do it. They thought it was cool and like, oh yeah, let's put that in there. People will love that. No, I'm looking at the reviews online. Everybody's like, what are you doing? This is stupid. You know, take it away. Do away with it. But if and you don't use it and if it doesn't come up and jump up on you when you don't want to, then really, I see no big deal in it myself. But who knows? Well, I, it's, I don't but worry it's, about it's it. activated by default. They should have it deactivated by uh, default and say, hey, if you yeah. want to turn this on, it's a cool feature. Turn it on. Well, I just assumed that's the way it was set up and somehow it's just not working, wasn't working on on your your side. Maybe they needed to do a Zoom update or they said there's an update coming and somehow it's screwed up. Who knows? I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm going to give them a, an earful, though, when I call them. So I haven't been on Zoom since the last time we talked on Zoom. So right. I, don't, I don't use it. I use Teams and then my work. Hey, well, I, I hate it, but we use Google. We use Google Meet. Some people don't want it. They're like, dude, mm. do we have to use that? Can't we use something else? <laughs> and you know, and it's because some companies just don't want their employees to download something else, right? You know, and that's and that's the thing. Is there a big difference between all these? I don't know. From my perspective, when I'm just, I was just on Google Meet before, before this. I don't want to say call before this recording. It's a, Zoom call. And, it's a recording, right? 
yeah, recording. And um, I don't know. I mean, it's, I don't do anything technical. So <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know which one's the better than any of them. I just know most businesses, larger businesses want to use Teams and nobody wants to use Google Meet. And I work for a company that's a large publicly traded company in the financial industry on top of it. Maybe somehow it's more secure. I don't know. But right. yeah, that's Zoom. Yeah, that's kind of weird. That looks things with that thumb bubbling up. That seems like something that would have been put into Instagram or Facebook if you're going live or you're calling somebody, you know, through video. You know, I mean, that, that to me just screams Facebook or Instagram to do this and have some sort of emoji pop up on the Yeah, I don't like it. Do away with it. They gotta do away with it. It doesn't seem like it should be a Zoom product. It should be something on social media. But you'll see in the interview, like we weren't even doing any thumbs up. John at one point in time had his hand like this. He was gesturing like this and his thumb was up in the air. But it, it like I guess to the stupid, you know, AI thing, it, it looked like he was giving the thumbs up. And it popped up and I'm like, what the hell? So, you know, like, sorry, everybody for the the technical issues. I mean, last one, I had a botched microphone issue. Uh, it was, it was like the thing that like, you want everything to go smoothly. You're doing your first in-person interview, right? Every time we do it on zoom, it's usually never a problem we, you know, we record as we move on, but we've never done an in-person interview before. So you want to make sure you're, you're dotting the I's and cross the T's microphones are working. The camera's working. Everything's recording. Everything's going good. And everything went flawlessly until I watched it back. And I saw those stupid bubble thumbs and I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. So anyways, uh, let's move on. I'm not tired of talking about this stupid anyways. So um, last we checked in, you had a lot of gigs you were playing. How are the gigs going so far, sir? Good, good, good. I have a couple more coming up here. Well, the next three weekends and then a couple weeks break. And then the end of Jan, I mean, the end of December. And things are pretty slow at the big first part of the year. Right. I'm not going to have a lot going on probably until on a consistent basis until April. I mean, we're in Pittsburgh. A lot of places when I'm doing now just acoustic only shows, a lot of the places are just where I played on back on Friday night. They're not even going to start booking people again at their little place until no earlier than the end of February. You know, it is bars and clubs. They, they tend to die down right after Christmas and then up here in Pittsburgh. You know, you set something up and it might snow, the weather can be crappy. You <laughs> never know what you're going to get, right? Yeah, you know, and, and in a lot of things when you're doing a one-man thing, too, some of the stuff, you know, they have a little patio or try to do it outside or something like that. So I, I intend on doing some recording during the winter. I have a few gigs. I'm sure some of these places I'm playing right now, will I'll end up doing a few things during 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 the winter but it's going to be slow so i'm going to take i'm going to take that time to do some do some recording and releasing the music oh can't wait to hear that so uh i also want to get the the big news of the day here in pittsburgh although this is going to date this recording if you're watching this a year from now or two years from now or a month from now but uh something we were talking about on the show is uh the steelers firing of matt canada and i got a few things to say about that um, but first I want to get your take on it. Well, I mean, it's got to be tough to be in a 
situation where everybody across the country on on whether it's on ESPN, Fox, CBS, NBC, everything is, you know, when you're the topic of conversation for now, geez, over a year, it's got to be a tough spot to be in. I think that I have a feeling some of this, I've heard a few different stories or I've read a few different stories from different real outlets, not somebody just, you know, with some sort of Facebook or Instagram page. There's some conflicting information out there on how it exactly happened. I mean, I don't know. Does it make any difference in the middle of the season? Is it a good thing to do? I just think it was so bad that, you know, they're just trying to take the heat off all the abuse by not waiting seven more, seven or eight more (laughs) weeks to do it. To, to do it. But, they, you know, here's the problem that I have. They're probably going to just bring the next guy up. Well, that's what They're they probably did. Probably not they, go out to, he announced it today. Who's going to be the OC. So. Yeah. But I'm talking even next, next, you know, next season. I don't think that they're going to, I think though, whoever they put in now, and I didn't even hear who it was, but I bet you they're there that that's who the, who the coordinator is next season. Well, they had, they put uh, the quarterbacks coach in Mike Sullivan um, and he's sharing with the running backs coach uh, whose name is slipping my mind right now. Sorry, but they're going to share double, like, I guess, shared duties for being the OC and look, you know, you're, I'm one of the, one of the, my biggest complaints been about Kenny Pickett is he needs a good quarterback coach to, to work with him because he's just not, developing as a good quarterback. He's making a lot of mistakes that should be intuitive of a good quarterback, like stepping up into the pocket. Like, you know, every time he drops back and there's pressure, I mean, the the most mediocre quarterback in the league knows that the place to go is take one step up into the pocket because that's where you're protected because all the defenders go right by you. He doesn't seem to get that and he just keeps drifting back and he gets, you know, he's either scrambling away from the defenders or he gets pummeled. Like he doesn't have that sense to just like take that one step up into the pocket and stay there for an extra second to be able to deliver. And he doesn't go through a progression of looking at receivers. He like has one guy in mind and then he has one of two plays, one of three plays that he makes. If, uh, if that guy isn't open, if he, usually if he's triple coverage, he'll either throw the ball anyways, or he'll, uh, take off and try to run with the ball or he'll just dump the ball, throw the ball on the ground. But he, it doesn't seem like he's ever looking for other receivers, like going through a progression that, that quarterbacks do. So that's on the quarterbacks coach. Now, so now you've got this guy who's the quarterbacks coach running the offense. How's that going to make things any better? It's not, if, if, if anything, it could make it worse. Well, it can't get any worse, but um, I, I don't think that's going to help at all. I don't think they're looking for that much help. I don't think there's that much you're going to be able to change right now. I mean, really, I mean, I all you can do is make, tweak things a little bit. Now, do I think that just like when they fire a head coach, the next week or two the team sort of picks up the pace and they all of a sudden play well for a short period of time? I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if there's some sort of placebo effect this upcoming. I'm assuming I even looked at the schedule. I'm assuming we're playing on Sunday. 
And then I think it's we play another Thursday game the following week. I can't remember. I think I it's have to look at the schedule. I can't game. remember. But um, you know yeah, the lights in your house just turned off. What the lights in your house are turning off and on no, back on? No, there's. Uh, I have to replace that that lamp. I have I have a new one here to build. Oh. For some reason, the the switch on it. I don't know. No matter what, it just. You'll see this probably happen a couple. Uh, of times. I thought we were going to have to. I should uh, just get up and shut it off. <laughs> I thought we were going to have to contact Dustin Perry from our last episode and bring him over to your house and see what's going on there. No, it's actually <laughs> the lamp. It's it's actually the lamp itself that's that's doing it. It was staying on all afternoon, right. and now it's uh, it's it's screwing up. But yeah, I don't. I just don't think there's a lot of big change you could you could do right now. I think it's just more to try to take some of the heat off everybody and what's going, what's going on. I think that, I think that the, the coordinator is only part of the problem with Kenny Pickett. I think Kenny Pickett also is part of his own problem. He's got to execute. So yeah, but the problem is like with that combination is you got somebody making really bad play calls. I mean, really bad play calls. Um, that are so predictable as we sit there, watch the game, you can predict every time what they're going to do. And, um, and then you got a guy who's not executing the really bad play calls <laughs> other than once in a while, you know, maybe he gets lucky or whatever, but he's just not that accurate, which is why he can't really throw down the field. He can't throw to the middle of the field. Uh, again, maybe two out of 10 times he'll, he'll make a really good pass and make a connection and everybody gets excited. But, for the most part, like he, he he's really off the mark most of the time. And then Deontay Johnson himself, just that guy just needs to go. Look, it, the only passes he can catch are ones that are like impossible to catch. You throw anything right in his hands, he's dropping it nine out of 10 times. The, now, the ones that are like you, you just there's no way that he's going to be able to catch it. He somehow comes down with the ball, but throw it right to his hands. Nah, no, he can't do it. He's like becomes a, a, a D back, you know. But one other thing I, I want to talk about with uh, Canada, and you saw some of my comments online. Um, I, I, I saw it time and time and time again. Like I kept seeing people's comments of saying, boy, this is really, you know, uh, how, you know, how shitty of the Steelers to lay him, you know, fire him right before the holidays. That's just, you mm-hmm. know, that's not right. And I said, look, you got, you're not understanding this the right way. I said, if anything, this is a, this is a plus for Matt Canada. This is, this is a benefit for Matt Canada. He was, his contract was up at the end of the year. He wasn't going to make it through another year because of all the hubbub, right? That he was going to get fired. So now they have to still pay his salary. That's one of the things with coaches is you, you, you can't just, when you fire somebody, you have to still pay their salary. So he's still getting paid. And now he gets to start his, uh, his, journey of looking for that next job early rather than waiting till the end of the season. And if the Steelers somehow did make the playoffs, now all these other coaching jobs and and whether it's an OC or whether head coaching or whatever, they're being sucked up left and right by other people who didn't make the playoffs. So now he's got an even less chance of getting a good job after the season. So all you people boo-hooing about Matt Cannon losing his job right right at the holidays, this was the best thing that could have happened for him because he's still going to get paid and he's going to be able to find uh, find that next job a lot easier. Those are the same people who are complaining that one of them fired. Some people are just idiots. Yeah, I'm well, not going to sugarcoat it. They just, everybody has to have something to continue to cry about. And the same people didn't fire them, they'd be crying them, 
But uh, frankly, I don't think he's going to get another coaching job. It would be really hard based on all the backlash that he's gotten. I mean, look, he, there, he were, there, were, there were soccer fans chanting fire, fire Canada. <laughs> the soccer fans in yeah, some other I mean, cities. I mean, the best bet would have been for him. I mean, honestly, was if things didn't get quite as bad as they have and get through the year and then say, look, I know I'm going to, you know, and then take them to the side and say, look, we're either going to let you go or we'll give you the opportunity to, to move, to move on and make us, you know, make a credible statement right. about it. And, um, you know, but no, I mean, it's, it's gotta be tough when the whole world, you got to almost hide out. I mean, you can't listen to the radio. You can't watch TV. You can't go on social media. That's one of the things bad about being a coach in a, you know, whether it's a high level um, football team, like one of the top programs or, or in the NFL is man, when you're, when you're not doing well, everybody's talking about it. Probably even if you have kids in school, their friends are talking about it. You know, right. I mean, it's just gotta be bad all, all the, all the way around. But yeah, I mean, he's, he's been well compensated. I have a feeling he's probably pretty well off and yeah, he's not I he probably, yeah. I mean, there's always something that he could go out there He'll go coach Indeed. high school football. I mean, with them still be able to make a living or whatever, you know, I'm not saying he'll I, probably I, I never coach think, again. I, I just don't think he's going to be, he's going to be running somebody's offense next year. At least I, I, not no, in most, the, most certainly not in, not in, a, not in a pros anyhow. Maybe, maybe the Browns, um, the Browns might take him. you know, <laughs> they'll take I mean, anybody. I, I, I don't think, I don't think he'll be doing anything as far as coaching college or, no. Or NFL next season. Now the season after that, who knows? But I don't really care. You know, I mean, it's not right. that I have anything out for the guy. I mean, that's just what goes. That's just what goes on. It's not like he's a guy earning fifty thousand dollars a year. Right, he's made a few hundred thousand dollars a year, right? Yeah, I mean, he's making very good money, and he has been for a while. So I'm sure he's in a. He's he's probably well to do and. Unless he's got you know, a coke habit, you know. I doubt. I just think that he's <laughs> probably. I don't know. I mean, obviously, to get to where he was, he's at. He must have done something right along the way. I don't know his whole history and background, but sometimes you know it just doesn't just doesn't work out, and it's not working out. And I just I just don't. I don't know. It's not like. It's different when you see somebody who had this incredible amount of success and then all of a sudden have a couple bad years and then be let go. And then maybe somebody else say, you know what? You know, I mean, there's just so many factors that you can't. It's kind of hard to get around the fact and say, like with certain things, you say, look, I didn't have the support from the coaching staff. You know, the payroll was very low. Like if you're some, if you're, if you're coaching, if you're a manager of the Pirates, Pittsburgh Pirates, right. where, you know, most generally the players that are on your team can't even, won't even be able to get a job with another, with another team. You <laughs> might have some sort of story, but he doesn't have a whole lot. That, yeah. The whole thing with Pickett and all, but it was already struggling with Roethlisberger in his last year. Grant Roethlisberger wasn't really his, it was time for him to, you know, that, that injury really, you know, 
had to add on to it that serious injury he had, you know, that late in his, in his career. But I just right. don't think he's got a good excuse and story to tell. I mean, that's what he's implemented in its fail, unless he changes and cooks up some new new scheme of running an offense to give it a try <laughs> at some division. And who knows? There's a lot of division one small schools out there, like in the Sun Belt. You know, like yeah, you know, maybe, maybe you'll find a school where nobody know nobody knows him. Who knows? But, you know, uh, I mean, there's probably some benefit somewhere for him. He had to be decent to get to where he was at, I would think. But right, I don't know. Well, I don't. And I don't think uh, you know. We we had talked before about uh, you know Byron Leftwich stepping up and saying, "Hey, you know, if you need help, let me know. I'm available." And I just I, that even if that may possibly happen next year i don't even see that as maybe it's a it's a remote possibility because i just don't think tomlin wants somebody in there that's going to not be a yes man and and uh you know be able to if he's successful you know maybe that threatens him for his job you know for the head coach or whatever i i think tomlin just wants to play it safe he just wants to put someone in that position that's just going to do whatever he tells him to do and if he screws up then he's going to be the scapegoat I, I, just like Canada was. Now Canada did a look. I was calling for Canada two years ago to be fired, not not just this pat, not just after last year. Two years ago, I was saying, look, the, this guy is horrible play calling. He needs to go, and um, they kept him again. And I was like, I, how do they keep him for another year? And then they kept him this year again. And I'm like, what am I missing? What am I missing that they that they just keep keeping this guy on and then it just dawns on me it's like he's all he's doing is being a, a yes man to, to to Tomlin and now look Tomlin's able to use him as a scapegoat when Tomlin's the one that probably should be fired he's the one that hired him he's the one that kept him on board for too long he's the one that's the ultimate decision maker over you know if they're when they're running plays in practice and saying what's working what's not working it, it's Tomlin that should be fired but he Tomlin's never going to get fired. The Rooney's will never fire him. It's when Tomlin leaves here, it's going to be on his decision. It's not going to be on the Rooney's decision unless you, they pull him in the back room and say, look, you're, we, we would like for you to make an announcement that you're retiring or that you are leaving the Steelers because it's just not working anymore. They're never going to come out and publicly fire him or, or anything like that. It's just not going to happen. No, I mean, they did it with no, I mean, it was sort of, look, it's kind of, it's time to go. Yeah, you but know. I mean, it was that, and and as much as everybody knew it was time to go, it it's you know, there was a lot of people that just didn't like, you know, that thought that that was, you know, not a good way to handle it. What the Rooney's did, and that's when you know the 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 chief was still alive back then, but um, I don't know. I just don't see them doing that with Tomlin. Um, I think but, they do it with some sort of dignity, just like they did with Noel. I mean, I think they maybe. would. They would give him the chance to say, "Look, you know, this is this is what's going on. You know, we'll give you the opportunity to to bow out, and right. do it on your own on your own terms." Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, if they do that, I, I think that they would they would probably more. Um, want him to make that announcement that he's moving on or that he's stepping down or whatever. Yeah, they, they they would let it look like it was it was his decision. His decision, whether, right? Whether it was or not, but I think what's gonna what happens is if we somehow by making that change, just getting rid of Canada, and if we 
still we we play well enough to get into the postseason, regardless of what happens when we get in there. I don't I see Tomlin buying more time. Aha. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's what's gonna and I told you at the end of last year, I said when, when we watched the last game at that at the cigar bar, I told you, so I listen on the radio, they're already talking about him. I'm bringing them back because of how the team responded in the second half of the season. I, I which think, was I that think they played one team with a winning record, you know, and that was I, it. I think his contract is up at the end of this year, I think. And they haven't offered him an extension yet. More, Maybe it was one it was more. 20, I think it's 2024. Yeah, but you I might bet be you right. they don't, I don't, I bet you on like, they usually like to give you that re, renew you a year early or something like that. I don't think, I really don't think that going into the – I'm not saying that they won't extend his contract, but I don't think they're going to extend it going into into training I don't think so either. And but, going you know, into next season. I really he's gonna, don't. He's going to use all this turmoil with Canada and stuff as, a, as an excuse to get another year anyways because he would say, look, you know, we had – Matt Canada was just not the not getting the job done. Then we had to bring other guys up, and that's why we ended up being, you know, uh, ten and seven or whatever. You know what I mean? Or or seven and ten, ten even. Um, yeah, ten and seven. I think we'll get. I think ten and seven playoff, will right. get them. You know, get they, them in the playoffs. Can, they could very if if they finish seven and ten and only win one more game, which I don't think is going to happen. But if they only win one more game, he's just going to turn around and say, "Well, you can't blame me. Look at what I had to deal with." You know what I mean? So I don't know. Anyways, we should move on. Uh, we have other, <laughs> we have other uh, viewers and listeners hey. outside the Pittsburgh area who are saying, okay, stop talking about the damn Steelers already. <laughs> so anyways, I, we didn't, uh, we haven't boasted uh, in a, in a few episodes. So I think we're going to bring that back and uh, let's cue it up. We'll have a boast. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to boast here about, um, uh, my dear friend and uh, also a friend of the show, as uh, she was on in season one, Lacey Sturm has a brand new album out, Canotic Metanoia. That's a mouthful, right? That doesn't even What's sound like mean? it's English. I have no idea. I'll have to either look it up or ask her. Um, <laughs> Canotic Metanoia. But I tell you what, I mean, obviously she's been releasing singles along the way um, here and there that, that were eventually building up to to an album's worth of material but um i think she only released like five songs but there's you know a lot more songs on the album so boy it's you know if you here's what i'll say about this if you if you liked the her first solo album uh you'll love this if you love flyleaf you'll probably love this album if you've never heard of flyleaf or never heard of lacey stern but you love uh good hard rocking and faith-filled music uh this is the album for you if you don't care about the faith-filled stuff but you love to rock this is the album for you um if you like bing crosby maybe you'll like it i mean i like bing crosby but that might not be your cup of tea if you're an elderly person and you don't like the screaming and and stuff like that but that's lacy doesn't just scream she screams at just the right time and and for purpose but anyways my point what i'm getting at is uh, track by track on this CD, there's not a like a throwaway song on the whole album, and um, I, I, you know, I've already congratulated them um, on on the album, and um, it just sounds phenomenal. I uh, hope it does very well for her. You know, her first album, 
just a little tidbit for all you kids listening out there. Um, the, her first album, she was actually the first female hard rock solo artist to have their album debut at number one. Nobody, I mean, not Pat Benatar, not uh, uh, Joan Jett, all those other. You can name any, uh, like, so-called solo female rock artist. Um, they've never had their their album debut at number one. Lacey was the first to do that. So I don't know where her album's at on the charts when it first came out, but I do know that it was number two on the charts on, on iTunes right behind Dolly Parton uh, and her Rockstar uh, album. Um uh, for for a period of time, so there's obviously people downloading it. Uh, quite a quite a bit of people downloading it. So I would highly recommend going going out and either uh, ordering the CD. I don't think you can go to stores and buy CDs anymore. Maybe Walmart has some stuff. I don't I don't think they'll have lacy stuff. You can order it online. You, know, you most people are doing digital, so you can get that on Spotify. You can get it on Apple Music. You can get it on Google Music. Um, Tons of other sources out there. Apple, I mean, uh, Amazon, the Prime uh, Music. I'm sure you get it there. Tons of places to get this. Um, I'm hoping that maybe she even comes out with a with a vinyl pressing of it, uh, which she probably will. There's uh, merchandising that goes with it. You just go to LaceySturm.com, uh, Transparent Media Company, uh, Trevor Tyson's uh, business there. I know they're they're pushing some stuff. So um, highly recommend Canotic Metanoia there. Big mouthful, and I'll have to find out what that means. I should have found out what it meant before I was. <laughs> I think it's just boasting about it. People have a tongue twister and don't know how to pronounce it when they see it in written right. form. Well, you have to practice it a little bit before you go out and talk about it. So, anyways, you got anything to blab about to boast about there? Well, yeah, I was actually just having a cup of this right now. They always bring us in for for around Christmas. It's always it's already in the stores. Nice. JD. No, it does. I'm not a big Jack Daniels fan, but it does work good in the coffee. Although what I usually do is for every two scoops that I use of this, I use one scoop of my, well, I grind my own beans of like a Starbucks, one of the bold roasts add to Because sometimes it's a little, to me, a little too much. I don't like a super, super flavored coffee, but it does have that whiskey flavor to it. Um, I think I got this one. I'm trying to think where I was at. I think it was at either Walmart or Target. And usually I haven't I didn't I haven't seen it the last few years. And they they brought it back. And then when you're done, you got this nice canister too that you could yeah. use to put your change in. Or I actually have a couple of these from years past in the house that I that I use for, for putting change in, or there's one that I have one downstairs that has a bunch of assorted screws and, and, and bolts and washers and that from guitars and things like that right. parts in here and that. But, um, you know, it's actually, it, it, it's actually a quality tasting coffee. You know, it does taste like, does that smell like Jack Daniels, tastes like Jack Daniels and it's done in a way that's, you know, isn't astringent. It doesn't have that perfume taste like sometimes a flavored coffee, you know, smells great. But then when you drink it, it tastes more like it has that, like, I don't know how, like a chemical sort of imitation taste. They do a pretty good job with this. So. Well, well, see, I mean, uh, you like coffee. I don't drink coffee. and I like Jack Daniels. You don't. 
So, you know, somewhere in between there is uh, is a good combination, I guess. But yeah. um, and even so, Jim, and another thing I'll throw out there too, Jim Beam right now and the liquor stores has their, they put out, I think it was last year, the year before it's the first year, they put together their own sort of, it's obviously not an Irish cream because it's not an Irish whiskey, but they put together a, I guess it would be called a bourbon cream. Right. You know, it's sort of like a, you know, to compete with like a Bailey's or something like that, but it has that Jim Beam flavor. That's right. fantastic. And that's fantastic in coffee or somebody like your dad who drinks Bailey's on the rocks occasionally, you know, the Jim Beam would probably is even, is even better because it's not as sugary sweet. It has a little more of a, I wouldn't say oomph, but it's not, it's just not so sweet, which that's the only thing I don't like about Bailey's is it's to me, as far as the Irish creams go, it's the number one seller, but it's very, very sweet. He doesn't do the Bailey's anymore. So he's off that kick. He's, uh, he's on, uh, the Coors Light kick now. So let's okay. give him a shout out. Hey, I, I, I sometimes always forget to give Pops a shout out. So what's up, Pops? Can't wait there to you see go. you. I'm, I'm heading down there, uh, right after Thanksgiving. I'm not sure if this show will be out by Thanksgiving. Um, if it'll be right around Thanksgiving. So we'll have a little uh, gobble, gobble release. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> And, um, which is why I didn't want to uh, officially call this our Thanksgiving show. We don't typically do a necessarily a Thanksgiving show theme show, um, like we do like for Halloween or 4th of July or Christmas. But, um, but anyway, so uh, this album, this uh, show will be out, uh, shortly around Thanksgiving and I'll be heading down to Florida and, uh, I'll watch the next Steelers game with, with my pops and, uh, we'll be smoking some stogies for sure. And, um, so, and then, uh, you and I will head down hopefully for this uh, Super Bowl in February. You missed last year or this, this past year. And, yep. uh, I'm sure they have that Jack Daniels coffee down there. Maybe you can get some and, and oh, see if he, see if he then, digs it. Once I have a, once I have one of these, cause I don't <clears> drink a lot of flavored coffee certain days, like on a Sunday or on a Friday during, it's like this time of the year, I'll, I'll drink some of this. By the time I'm done with this. I'm pretty good for until next year. Same with the Jim Beam cream. I'll get a bottle of it. Or I like even that Evan Williams eggnog is pretty good. Right. I've had that. You know, although it used to be better, they've kind of cut it some stuff. I mean, man, it it smelled like kerosene. Like they really, (laughs) you know, years ago, it was really, it was very strong. They've kind of cooled it down. I think they had a little brandy in it too now. Now, but once I have one of each of those, I'm good until next year. Like I'm happy it was there. I saw that. I saw this and that. All right, Jim Beam I'm, used to make one too that was really good, but I haven't seen it. In, I mix my own eggnog. I, uh, I I get the Schneider's or the Giant Eagle eggnog, and then I'll put some Gentleman Jack in there and spike it that way. And it's actually really good with uh, whiskey. So um, I I I prefer my eggnog with a little dash of of Gentleman Jack. And, uh, it kind of gets you in the holiday spirit when you do that. So anyway, so let's just, uh, let's end this segment of Wobble Boast. All right. So, um, we have, this was probably the most, I, I, I don't want to put other, other interviews down, but this was a really meaningful interview we did with, uh, John Cooper, um, you know, I, I try to make 
anybody that we interview, I try to ask questions and I'm sure you do as well, Mark, you know, we're just inquisitive, right? I don't, I don't have a, have an agenda. I, I rarely use notes. As a matter of fact, I, ne- I think the only time I ever use notes is with Joe West because of all of his accomplishments. <laughs> and I just wanted to make sure that I, I had them all right. I couldn't, there's no way I could memorize all of Joe West's accomplishments. Um, but I, I don't go into the, uh, in, interview with like a list of questions that I'm definitely going to ask. Maybe I have in my head some things I want to touch base on or where I'm going to start. But I kind of let the conversation steer itself. And I just start asking questions that um, that I find interesting because I figure if I find it interesting, maybe other people find it interesting. And we only had a half hour with them. So I'm apologizing that up front. We, you know, I'm glad that we just got even a half hour with them instead of that's it's better than nothing. But, um, and we're not used to our interviews being timed. But, um, you know, we made the made the most of it. So I hope you all uh, catch out that interview. It was uh, I thought it was went really well, really smooth. John's a great guy. Uh, he's very I mean, it, it, sitting down and talking with him, I felt like I've, I've known him for like 10 years already, 15 years. You know what I mean? The way we were we were just kind of uh, bantering and talking. But um, anyways, anything you need to plug before we uh, head out of this segment there, Big M? Oh, I don't think that I have anything worth plugging. No. Okay. Well, stay tuned for his, he's got, he's got some new material coming at the beginning of the year. How about that? We'll uh, keep an eye out for some new material from the big M. And uh, so we will take a short break. And yo, I will be doing it. I think I will be doing a, uh, a Christmas special on, on Facebook. There you go. And I'll tell you even a date here in a moment. Cause let me look at the calendar. Cause I had a gig, changed dates. I switched with somebody who was had to cancel and I was able to switch up. I'm probably going to be doing that on Friday, December the 15th. And most likely, and I'll, I'll advertise it, you know, going into it probably at 9 PM Eastern time. And it will be a combination. I'll do a few Christmas songs. Where's that at? Oh, on Facebook. Facebook, So you're going to do it from home. Okay. I'm going to be doing it from down in my music room. Probably it'll be about an hour, a few Christmas songs, some of my own material and some covers and little banner in between. We'll do a nice, uh, haven't done let's have a shot in a long, long time. So there'll be right. a toast at the end of the end of it. But as it stands right now, it's going to be Friday, December the 15th. Okay. Yeah. So you got to head on over to Facebook and Mark Anthony solo and friends. And uh, make sure you uh, mark that you're attending so that you get reminders or that you're interested so that you get some reminders and share it with your friends and family so that they can all just look. It doesn't cost you anything, right? There's no admission. You don't even have to, you can sit around your pajamas and watch it, right? So you you don't even have to go out of the house and and do anything. So um, there's no excuse for missing it. You don't have have to watch it live because it's going to be there to be watched later. I mean, after about a half hour, yeah, after about a half hour to show, it actually will go and I'll leave it out there for the, for the, for the rest of the month. So yeah, you, you won't have to, if you, if you, once the, once I have it set up there, if you click, you know, interested or attending or whatever, it's going to be there for you to, even if you have plans that night or you forget, you'll be able to you'll be able to check it out and listen through and comment and I'll be giving some things away and 
net. So oh, and maybe uh, maybe uh, maybe you'll learn at least one Christmas song between now and then, so you can tease people. Oh, I'm going to play. Christmas. Yeah, I'll play a couple Christmas songs. There you go. Sure. All right, that's that's the that's the Christmas spirit. Big M. I already have a couple of them. Yeah. So good. It'll be starting. It will start with probably silent night. There you go. And uh, we hope it's not silent night. We hope it's a ruckus night, but uh, that's a very good song. So anyways, so well, let's take a short break and we will be back momentarily with John Cooper of Skillet. Ladies and gentlemen, Woo-hoo! see you later. Black Wings. to blabber brain show hey this is kind of different right we got a in-person setup for a change right <laughs> we got with us singer songwriter author evangelist uh activist you name it. i mean he's got a whole list of titles under his name uh john cooper singer of skillet let's give him a big round of applause people are helping that one notes right now yeah, they're going yeah, yeah, good yeah. For me. thanks so much for being here with <laughs> us i appreciate it you, yeah, man. uh we're just outside of pittsburgh and johnstown so um yeah, thanks for taking the time to meet with me. So you got it. It's good to be with you, man. Skillet. I mean, you know, things go at the speed of light with you right now, right? So mm. has it dawned on you that what you've been in this band for almost thirty years? <laughs> has that even like kicked in yet? Yeah, I feel like it, it kicks in every night after the show, and my knees hurt. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and no, um, I mean, yeah, we. It, it is kind of crazy. I mean, there in some ways it feels, it's kind of like when you have kids, you know, and they, they grow up and in some ways you're like, it only seems like yesterday they were still, you know, um, that big, you know, you're still, you know, and then in some ways it feels like, wow, that was a really long time ago. And me and Corey, my wife, Corey, we laugh about it all the time. I'm like, in some ways it doesn't seem long, but also like remembering what it was like to, to like not have a cell phone, you know, like pull out the cell phone and like Google how to get somewhere right. and be like, you know, turn left, you know, no, like the big, you know, the big maps and the, and you're trying to find the, uh, the festival yeah. in the middle of nowhere, like, like on, on the dirt roads. <laughs> and you're like, I don't know where this, you know, I mean, that seems like ages ago. Yeah. So we're blessed. I mean, I, I never thought we'd be around for, for that long. I just thought let's play music, love music and, and get to do it for, for a little while. And, and the fans have just supported us so huge and we're blessed. Man. I love it. Well, I guess that brings up a good question. If, if, uh, since you were, you, you know, you, you started off, anybody starts off in a band wanting to make a career out of it and, and do something with it, but you don't anticipate it going on for as long as you've been going mm-hmm. on, like you said. Uh, is, was there a fallback for you or you're like, no, this is it. I'm going to make this work no matter what. Oh, <laughs> let's see. I, I'll choose option C. <laughs> uh, C was there was no fallback, but I never expected music to, to pay bills. Right. So um, it's a good thing it did <laughs> right. because I didn't. I have no other skills, <laughs> but, uh, but for real, I mean, I, I, I was, I did college for three years, but I, I was not doing well. Right. I was not, I'm not, I, I'm not really cut out for academics. Um, I just couldn't, I couldn't focus. I couldn't read my, I used to never read, which is 
funny because I'm now I'm a you know, vociferous readers, even I use words like vociferous. Um, but at the time I could not focus. I couldn't finish a book. I couldn't pay attention. Just my mind was always on music or on anything else besides school, but usually on music, you know, music playing in your head, you're drumming, you know, those kids that drum constantly on the table right. and it drives everybody nuts. That's me. <laughs> and, uh, but you know, I had other things in my life. I thought, yeah, I would do this or this. And, and I was studying history and I didn't hardly even get to my history classes because I couldn't pass my math and my four language classes, right. you know. But I also thought I would like to maybe be like a youth worker, you know, like at a church um, or maybe even like a some sort of like after school program where you 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 play basketball with with kids, you know, or teach them how to play basketball and then talk about virtues or things like that. I always had a heart for young people. Well, I think you you probably would have made a good pastor if you if like if God would have opened that door for you, mm. I think you would have done just fine as a pastor. Uh, uh, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, um, I want to talk about the the skill at sound, okay? Um, early on um, you were completely different than where you transitioned to. And it started the transition around Collide, right? You, you started to find a, a different sound. And um, especially with the song Collide um, was kind of like the hints mm. of what Skillet was going to be. Like, was it in, like getting to comatose? Mm. Was, was that purely intentional or was it like, Hey, let's try something different. And it just worked out. Or did you like, <laughs> I have a vision, I have a sound. We got a, a something very specific. We're going to produce. Mm. How did that transition? Yeah, to that? that's a great question. Um, I think the answer is no, it was not, it was not ever like, we, we have this, this thing we're going for and, and we're working, working. And we finally found it. It was more like, it was more like uh, we loved so many different kinds of sounds and so many different influences. It was, it was more like, let's try something new. Let's play with it. Let's have, let's, uh, let's do something fun, something interesting. And we, we kind of were doing that and doing that until it kind of felt like it clicked in some ways collide in some ways, depending on your ears. I've, I've heard people say all sorts of different things, opinions. In some ways, Collide was even a little bit of a return to our first album. The first album was in 96. There wasn't any keyboards. We had a little bit of cello on that record, but for the most parts, it was just grunge, three-piece rock. And then we, we began to delve into the electronics. Collide was a bit more of a return to the first record, but kept a little bit of, we, we started doing the strings a bit more had a little bit of programming. Then when Comatose came, it was that, I think that was a major shift, I would say probably. And, uh, and that felt good. You know, that's, that's my favorite record of ours yeah. is Comatose. That was the first one that we really did very professionally. And, and the way we recorded the, the record, I shouldn't say professionally, the other records were done professionally, but it was just, this was a very updated modern way of recording an album. I guess, um, teeing off that from what I said before, once that was a success for you, did you say, okay, we found our sound. This is mm. it. This is our stable. We're, we're going to just go with this. Sure. I don't really know. I mean, it's, uh, in some ways you certainly went, okay, we have a sound that's kind of unique now and, and, and that's kind of cool. We should probably kind of stick with that. But then we went straight from that to awake and, and awake in some ways was, was different because Howard Benson did that project and his projects tend to be a little more stripped down. You know, they're a little more organic sounding, mm -hmm. but we did still try to keep 
you know, we did the song Awaken Alive that was on Awake. Awaken Alive could have been on Comatose. It, it definitely had a similar sound yeah. to it. So there, there was a little bit of that of, hey, we don't want to stray too far from that because it worked and people liked it. And, you know, but we were still trying to go after the, uh, you know, as a band, you, you're always going after that radio song. It's yeah, what yeah. you really need. <laughs> and we still didn't have it until Awake, you know, and that's when Monster came. And Monster was quite different than Comatose. So it was still always like, all right, we're still, we're still looking for that, that magic, that golden song that goes to radio while staying true to ourselves. So I think for us, it wasn't necessarily the sound that was what was true for Skillet. It was more... I think the authenticity of, of the lyrics, the, my voice, the lyrics, those were the things that you hear from album one all the way to the current, you know, record. Right. I, what I've noticed was, um, at least with your, your current album that, um, it, it, to me, it sounds like a blend of comatose and fight the fury. It's like mm, if, if Fight sure. the Fury and Comatose were to get together and have a child, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, it would be Dominion. Um, but so, I mean, was there also a conscious, I mean, it's still the skillet sound slightly heavier was mm-hmm. how much was like Seth involved with that? I mean, did you, did you find Seth and he, and you turned him into a metalhead? Was he already a metalhead? <laughs> uh, yes. I, I forced him. He rips on, on I a said, lot of those boy, solos, listen to this. this is called metal. Yeah. No, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, yeah. He does rip on it. Um, so let me think. Seth was already a metalhead uh, when we found him, but but he's a great musician, so he had done a lot of different things. Some people don't know, he even toured as a touring guitarist for a number of uh, Crab family shows. I don't know if people know, the Crab is a Southern gospel, like Jason okay. Crab and the Crab family, okay, uh, yeah. a great great Southern gospel family sing group. <laughs> yeah. So he kind of jumped in for that. You know, a lot of those musicians, these people can play anything. You know, even like my friend, uh, John Panzer, who, who plays for fight the fury. He also toured with disciple and now he's a touring guitarist for Colton Dixon, you know, which is a whole other. So a lot of these guys are just so good. Or even I think it, Tony, I always get mixed this guy's name, Tony Palacios, like from guardian. Remember the Christian metal band guardian. He, you know, he toured with Michael W. Smith for a Mm -hmm. long time after that. And he ended up producing, um, Decipher Down, if you remember Decipher Down, which no, was a cool Decipher band. Down, yeah. He produced that stuff, but he was, you know, a touring guitarist for Michael Smith, but he was like a ripper for Guardian. So a lot of these guys are really talented like that. Seth can kind of jump into a lot of things, but he loves metal. He's a metalhead. Right. So that was kind of nice having somebody that loves all that. I can kind of like, let's let him off the leash. You know, I mean? <laughs> come on, Seth, get, give me something, something here. I think that sometimes bands, um, uh, like I'm realizing as we're talking is funny because sometimes when you write the music, you're not always as aware of the changes. So as I would be, if I were talking about, I don't know, Lincoln park or somebody that I listened to, right. you know, or, or like our mutual friends and, and fly leaf or Lacey and stuff, I would say, Oh, Lacey, that, that, that new song you have, that, that kind of reminds me a little bit of the early fly leaf. So as a fan, I recognize it, right. but as an artist, sometimes you're like, Oh, does it? <laughs> we're, we're a bit more oblivious but because I think we're feeling it. Mm-hmm. So when you're writing music, you're like, this is what I'm feeling in the moment. And you're not necessarily wondering, is this, is this too much like my old stuff? Is it like the old stuff? Is it the same? Is it that every once in a while you might go, I really want this to be a little heavier. Um, and then I'll, I'll read a review that'll say, 
It's interesting. This isn't as heavy as the last one. <laughs> so I've read people say that Dominion is heavier. And I've read people say that we lost our edge on this record. No, it's definitely. So I think it's heavier. It's definitely but heavier. I always go, eh, everybody's going to have their their take on it. What's important to me is, is, did I believe in it? Was I writing something I believed in? Did I say what I want to say? And then I just don't look back, you know? Right. <laughs> Well, how about, um, I'm going to jump around a little bit, um, talk about you, you, I don't know if the right word is discovering, uh, Jen Ledger. Um, you know, she was what, 19 years old when she joined the band? 17. 17. Okay. <laughs> but, but almost 18. So she was on the verge. But according to her, she had only started playing drums when she was like 15 or 16. Mm. So she had only been playing drums for a few years. Like, yeah, she must've just like really accelerated with that and blew you away whenever you heard her play but did you also have any idea that she could sing too or were you just hiring her because <laughs> right. she could slam on the, on the drums it's such a funny story so before Jen we had a, a girl drummer called Lori yeah um, and at the time um I mean I kind of need to rewind I know for for young people watching this maybe if they're a younger generation they it's <laughs> gonna make me and you sound really old <laughs> but I mean, in the 90s, you just didn't really have girls in rock music. I mean, you, you may have had a couple in hard rock music, uh, but, but, but not many. Lenny Kravitz had a girl drummer. Smashing Pumpkins had a girl bass player, but there really wasn't much. It was very much like a dude's, a dude's world, right, right. you know? And so when Corey, my wife, Corey, joined the band, she was such an amazing musician and she just rocks. Yeah, well. <laughs> she just slams, you know? So I was like, this is awesome. I mean, like a girl that crushes like this, this is so cool. I think late nineties, maybe Kitty was around too. Kitty was a girl punk group. I'm now I'm, my ADD is kicking. I'm thinking of all the girls in metal, but there weren't that many. Roxy Petrucci from Vixen. Yes, of course. Yeah. In the late eighties. Yeah. yeah. We played with Vixen a few years ago, actually. <laughs> um, so I particularly thought it was cool. And so when, when Lori joined the band as a drummer, you know, I remember thinking, I think this is awesome. Cause she, uh, Lori was a slamming drummer. Yeah. She was like Dave Grohl, you know, right. uh, the female Dave Grohl. And, but I knew, I mean, I told Lori, I said, you got to understand, like, you can't be as good as Dave Grohl. Like you've got to be better because people <laughs> are going to have, they already have this, oh, they're Christians. They're probably lame. Right. That, that, you always get that. So you've always, you've already got that against you. They're Christians and it's a girl. They don't belong here. Now you've got two strikes. You're going to have to slam. And she did. She crushed right. it. So after when Lori was quitting, I wasn't dead set on getting a girl. I, I had thought it was kind of cool. Right. But the truth is, is the market didn't, the, the, the secular market didn't think it was cool. You know, they were like, <laughs> uh, and, um, but I did. And so I just said, we need a great drummer. So a couple of things happened. Good. Uh, Jen had gone to our church. She flew her from England to go to a, a church school thing that we did when she was young. She was like 15. And so Corey, my wife, Corey was like, I, I like her. I think she's, she's pretty cool. And I wonder if she's good. We had not heard her play drums. Okay. So she's like, I heard that she's a drummer and maybe she could audition. I was kind of open to it. Number one, because Corey wanted it. Number two, I liked the idea of a girl. She was good. Number three, I like the idea of finding talent in places that people don't expect it. Right. Skillet was a band like that. I only started playing bass about 
eight months before Skillet started. Wow. I wasn't a bass player. We couldn't find a bass player. Right. And I was like, I guess I'm going to have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> How hard could it be? Right. You know, I mean, I played piano. I played guitar a little bit, not for very long. I wasn't a good guitar player. I played the trombone, which a lot of people don't know. Can't do that, though. No. Can't do trombone. <laughs> We're not going to be a ska group. No. And uh, so I, I was like, uh, I can play bass. And it worked. And people say, oh, I don't think you can play bass and sing. And I was like, well, watch me. I can do that. You know, right. we'll figure it out. And so I was like, well, watch her. If she's good, she's good. And if, so when she auditioned, it wasn't the case that we were blown away. We weren't like, holy moly, young, amazing. It wasn't like that. It was more like, oh, she's got talent. She's, right. she's going to be a great drummer and played that long. I can train her. I can help her do that. Uh, as well as, um, I forgot to mention, we already had Ben Casica was our guitarist. Right. Ben joined our band when he was 16, I think. And he was a prodigy. And so he was already really good. And then after two years of touring with Skillet, he was just a, he was just a, an amazing guitarist. And I'm like, we already did this with one person. We can do it with a second one. And I was more interested in the person. Like you can, always, if you're talented, you can always grow your talent. And I believe if you honor God, he will always give you more. So if, if, if we have somebody that honors God, we can do the talent part. Right. But when it comes to character, living for God, being a person of conviction, that's way more important to me than, than the talent angle. Cause I believe that if you do those things, God will bless you with more. Awesome. So that all of that goes into the pile. And I was like, all right, she's young. She's green. Had no idea she could sing going back to your other question. <laughs> Had no idea she could sing, but I was like, she's going to do a great job. We know her. She goes to our church. She wants to live for the Lord. God's going to, going to bless her. She has a natural talent. Yeah. And my, in, in Corey's words, she's like, she's a star. She, we auditioned 15 people. She's a star right. and you need to, you need to do it. And then, and so I said, yes, ma'am. <laughs> God throws in the fact that she can sing really good as a bonus and change kind of yeah. the dynamic of that the happened later. Sound. Yeah. yeah. That happened later because on comatose Corey was singing and, um, Corey is an introvert, you know, now people don't know that when they see Corey on stage, cause she's amazing on stage, but Corey's not dying for the spotlight. Right. You know, she, she likes being in the background. She likes being the person making things happen. And which is uh, amazing when you see her on stage and the way she just goes nuts. Yeah. Like it's, it doesn't fit. You wouldn't think it, but I think she, she's happy to not be the one singing. And so when we were writing the song hero, I don't remember how it happened. I heard Jen say, I was like, oh, I don't know if she could sing. That She's got a kind of a cool voice. In fact, a little bit of a Lacey Sturm-esque voice. Right. And I was like, I wonder how you would sound on this song I wrote called Hero. I said this, I we had this, like, Corey and I were writing it. I said, what if that's like a girl line that does that? And I got the idea because um, Linkin Park would do these things when the, you, you, you got the guy rapping and then you got the guy singing yeah, and it's yeah, sort right, of on top of each other. Different uh, line, but that almost like like together, but not together. Yeah, kind of like a duet yeah. or, or something. It was unique. It was cool. Fleetwood Mac did it, you know, in the seventies and eighties. And, and I thought, I wonder if she could do that. And she's saying the line, I was like, Oh wow, that's really good. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I don't know how much time we have left. We got a little bit of time. Um, look, I, I credit skillet, um, with bringing me on to like heavy Christian rock. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, I, I didn't know that you could rock for Christ that heavy, 
other than like I listened to Striper obviously in the 80s oh yeah and uh, so but I I always felt that was kind of gimmicky I didn't know if they were serious or not mm. I was more into the music but um, as I became deeper in my faith and I we were in family Christian bookstore me and my wife and uh, I was looking through some stuff and I'm like I noticed one th- an album I'm like well I think I heard of them before um, I don't know I'll put it in and listen to it you know what I mean so I put it on they used to be able to listen to CDs there in the oh, store yeah, I love that and uh, you don't have to waste your money on something that's no good right. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I listen to it I'm like these guys are Christian. This is not like like Petra or the you know bands back in the day. It's like this is something different. This is something because I, I mean I I grew up in, in like eighties metal and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And I'm like I can get on board with this, and it opened up a whole new world for me. Right. Mm. So you guys go on tour with a lot of secular bands. Mm. And I've noticed, like you even like you had Adam Gontier do a duet with you, mm-hmm. and um, you know I, I Johnny Hetherington, who we've had on the show uh, just recently, got together with Thousand Foot Crutch to do a re uh, oh, yeah, uh, a reimagined right. version. Um, so I, I find it interesting, like these band, these people from secular bands are now pairing up with with Christian artists. Mm. When when you're with these bands, do you ever? like mingle with them, get to talk with them, get to evangelize. And has any of that rubbed off on them? Cause you guys are unapologetic, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you're playing a Christian show or a, a secular show, mm-hmm. you're unapologetically skillet, which is awesome. Has there ever been that time where someone says, Hey, mm-hmm. I, I, I dig what you're saying and I'm on board or whatever. And you know, has that bled into anything like that? Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I've had really, really great conversations with, Lots of the bands we tour with and good relationships, you know, um, I've only had a few, um, tours where, where I, I want to say we didn't get along where we didn't connect. That might Mm -hmm. be a better word. Probably had one tour that I would say like, I just didn't like that tour. Other than that, I've had a couple where maybe we, we, maybe we didn't connect, but in 27 years, I would say probably. I'm just thinking about 20 years of touring with secular bands. We just had great relationships, great conversations. Um, and in fact, uh, just yesterday morning, had uh, coffee with with a person on this tour, won't say who, about faith, you know? So so where are you at on this? You mm-hmm. know, we had a conversation about the existence of God. Is the Bible the word of God or is the Bible... Um, just good, you know, almost like, well, the Bible's good to read. I, 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 I believe a lot of this. And then, you know, mine, okay. So do you think it's the word of God or do you think that it's just good advice? You know, is it on the same level as Confucius right? or, or is this different? And uh, cause I agree it is, it is true and it does work. Why do you think that is, you know, we had good, a great conversation. It was really wonderful. I've had a couple of people, I would say, I, I would say one in particular, convert to Christianity uh, on a tour that we did and which was uh, pretty awesome. And there be actual fruit there, repentance and fruit and has become known as a believer. And that's, that's pretty awesome. What I'll typically find is that every time we tour with a band, um, a secular band, I'm talking about, there will be at least one person in the band that is, it will end up coming up to me and saying something like, I was raised in the church. Um, not sure where my faith is now. Can we talk? Or, or I, I consider myself a Christian, but maybe not quite like you consider yourself a, a Christian. And then we talk and right. and we discuss these things. And sometimes that can have really incredible um, 
maybe in evangelicalism, sometimes we call that like, like rededication, you Mm. know, or uh, maybe theologically you may call that reformation. I don't know what you want to call it, but people that seem like they were far away from God. And I found out there actually was something going on there. God's been doing a work in their life for a long time. And it was this relationship that sort of made them realize that is the life that I want to choose, you know? So we've just had fantastic conversations and, uh, so far, I haven't had a single one of them that has been what I would call negative, sort right. of like, don't ever, don't bring your religion up in here. Right. And I never had that. That's cool. It's always just been really, really positive. Wow. Well, I mean, and that's like, again, we're supposed to evangelize wherever we are, right? So a matter of yeah. fact, it's probably almost better for you to be paired up with secular bands when you're touring, just in case something like that were, were to happen and have those conversations, you never know where it's going to lead. Uh, you know, where God's going to use you for your words coming out of your mouth to inspire somebody else. So, um, yeah, you know, wherever and whenever you can. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the things I'm really passionate about, I wouldn't mind saying jumping off of what you just said, cause I love that. I mean, I love, I love touring with Christian bands, non-Christian bands, whatever. I love all of it. Um, I believe that the best evangelism is is when people around you see the fruit in your life. And if I, you know, there's this proverb that says, he who wins souls is wise. Uh, and, and, and part of that proverb, the, lo- the longer passage, is talking about the person whose wisdom is like, is like, um, is like fruit from the tree of life. And that's within the proverb. And as, I, as I've understood what that means, and this has been my experience, sometimes what the bands want to talk about is, is more of the fruit of my life. So for instance, <laughs> how are you faithful to your wife? Like you're in a rock band, right. you know what I mean? You're right. faithful to your wife. Like, 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 what is that like, you know, and they, they kind of can't understand that or they see <laughs> it's true. They just really don't get it. Right. And then you get to explain, you can tell that they, they, it's not just that they're fascinated. There's something about it that they like because they see that we live as a family together. Um, we were on a tour. This is about 10 years ago. So my kids were a bit younger. My kids were around say 11 and eight. And one of the band, one of the guitar players for the band came up to me. It was the last day of the tour. And he said, man, I, I've never seen kids behave like your kids. I've just never seen anything like, because my kids come on the road, right, you know? Right. And he's like, how do you do that? You know? And I said, well, honestly, it's just, um, it's from the Bible. So, you know, there's a, there's a book in the Bible called Proverbs. And I explain what Proverbs is. It's written from the wisest man who ever lived. And he is writing these things as like, he's writing it to his son. He's teaching him how to live. And this guy's mind is just blown. You know, you mean there's something I can read that will tell me how to, to train my kids. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's instructions for life. It's instructions for life. And he's blown away. And I say, this is like time tested. This is actually the word of God. And he's like, well, do you think that I could call you sometime and ask you for one of these proverbs? (laughs) Of course you can. (laughs) So what, what happens is that people see that sort of fruit and they go, that, that looks really good. How come when you're, how come when you're getting yelled at online, how come you don't go back and start cussing people out? They'll say, John, I I can't handle that. I just tell these people to go bleep themselves. You know, (laughs) how do you do that? And you, you get an example to say it. Another tour we were on, uh, my, my kids were really young. My daughter was probably five at the time. Yeah. Probably five years old. We were on tour with, with someone and one of the band members had a, had a family member that had, 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 
killed himself literally a week before the tour mm-hmm. started. And, you know, we found out we didn't really know him very well. Didn't know the band, but just said, Hey, we're going to pray for him before the kids go to sleep. So we'd put our kids down at night. He said, don't forget to pray for so-and-so. And he's really hurting. He is, you know, um, somebody died close to him. We didn't, you know, tell them what happened, mm-hmm. but it's really bad. He's going through a tough time. Pray for him every night. Well, I didn't really know this band and I didn't really feel right going up to him and, and, and talking about stuff. But my daughter is five years old right. and she doesn't know that. <laughs> and she goes up to him in catering and she says, your name is so-and-so, right? And he says, yeah. And she said, she says, um, I pray to Jesus for you every single night. Well, I'm getting teary. I pray for Jesus to Jesus for every single night that right. you'll know peace wow. and that you'll feel better. And this grown rock star starts tearing up. He, he just doesn't even know. What, to, what do you do when a kid says right, it? Right, right. You know? So it's breaking down these boundaries. That's the fruit of walking with the Lord. And you don't even have to say a whole lot, you know? Oh, that's awesome. Um, I think we got to wrap up here. It's a shame, too, because uh, I really wanted to talk about your new book, uh, Wimpy, Weak, and Woke. Did I get that right? Uh, you got it right. <laughs> there's three words, and I the, you probably tested each word. Like, how does it roll off your tongue the best? I don't know. That's, <laughs> Wimpy, Weak, and Woke is just the way it rolls off. So, um, anyways, I, I already see people making comments about the negative comments about the book, like they read it, and <laughs> yeah. you, you know they didn't buy that book and didn't read one one word of it. So, but like you said, yeah, you're you're with God, so you don't respond in kind and stuff like that. So that's really awesome. Hey, I'm I'm sure it's going to be another huge hit for you. You got your podcast. It's a big success. Uh, Cooper stuff. And uh, you Sword and Shield, right? You just started another one. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Sword and Shield's a, like, once a week, 10 minute, uh, not really Bible study, more of like an encouragement based on a scripture. Devotional almost. Almost, uh, you could say like, oh uh, yeah. I mean, right. usually based on like one verse, you right. know, keep it simple. And yeah, we, we uh, the, the book has just come out. But before it even released, people were absolutely losing their minds about the title. And I kept saying, um, so I said, hey, here's what I'll do. I, I don't understand why people are so mad about it, but um, I'm, I'm putting forward a, a philosophy. You're welcome to disagree with the philosophy. Say right. it's wrong. Tell me why. The book's not out. But I said, here's what I'll do. I'll give you the, I'll give you the first chapter for free. Then you can hear how I define these words, why I wrote the book. So at least you understand what I'm getting at. And I said online, so all you got to do is you go here, you click it, you can stream it. I did the audio version myself. Listen to me, read the first chapter. Then you can decide, send me a comment. Tell me if you disagree with this bothering you. I want to know. And it's like the least traction I ever got on a social media post. I got 37 <laughs> comments. Oh, but, uh, but then when the book comes out, I said, the book's out now. You're getting hundreds of people just right. apoplectic. Yeah. And it just shows you that, that there really is a delusional kind of madness going on in our culture right now. I suspect a lot of people will disagree with me and I don't, think that's delusional <laughs> of course it's i just f- wish it was fair and they actually read it and then disagree yeah, with you but listen. they're not even reading it they're just assuming and and just posting whatever they want yeah i gave it to you for free go listen to it you'll right. see the definition see if you disagree agree send me a comment that's not what's happening so it really shows you in my view and it's the reason i wrote it there's a really big there's a lot of great christian ministries a lot of them and the, and it's like this wall i see it like a wall of you know, um, like a defense, the defense of the faith, lots, 
uh, podcasts like this. I love this. We're talking about Christian music. I think Christian art is important. All these things are important, but there's a real hole. There's a gap in the wall when it comes to Christian philosophy. Right. We have Christian theology, but Christian philosophy is slightly different and it can help us with worldview and, and how we, excuse me, how we can engage the culture through, through a political vision, political ideologies. Why, why is Marxism not compatible with Christianity. I mean, you could have a theological discussion of that, but it's, it's more of a philosophical one. And what we see a lot of the times is a lot of theologians not want to tackle that because they say, well, that's, that's sort of out of the church's purview. We're, we're only going to talk about theology of God, but what about all these other things? And because the world is coming with a lot of philosophies for economics, sex and gender, uh, politics, economics, uh, I think it's just the family unit, everything, um, parenting, um, individual liberties versus the common good. And if you, if you just have the hole in the wall, that means that the enemy is going to come in. The enemy is going to find, find that hole, find that hole and he's going to seep in. And I believe that's what's happened. So that's why I wrote such an extensive book on what what I consider to be Christian philosophy, get people thinking if they disagree, they should just send me a comment and tell me why, but you know, telling me to, uh, go bleep myself (laughs) is, 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 is as my son said last night, he said, dad, those are low quality criticisms. Right. I said, yes, they are. Son. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> awesome. Well, Hey, I know your fans are waiting for you, so we won't uh, hold you up anymore, but I really appreciate you taking the time to talk. And, uh, you know, I would, you know, we'll put all the, the social media links so people can follow you, follow skillet. Uh, I implore you to go by wimpy week and woke. Um, is there an audio version coming out soon? No, there's not. I only did the first chapter only to appease those those okay. particular people. But but I do hope in maybe a year we may do. It's not done, so okay. maybe a year down the road. But well, people it's not gonna kill you to read something. Buy buy a book and read. It probably uh, won't kill you. It may. <laughs> we don't really know yet. Um, but in 2023, but people should go to johnlcooper.com to get the book. That's where it's available. Okay, and go see Skillet on tour somewhere at a town near you. Hopefully, Woo. John. Thanks so much for the, your Great time chatting. and uh, for the big M back in Pittsburgh holding down the. Four I'm Michael Cadry, and we will see you next time on Blabber Brain Show. Peace out.